Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Minds on Mental Health podcast. My name's Andy Dean. I'm a licensed clinical social worker. And today is the first part in a three-part series that we're doing with Araceli Reyes. Araceli is a licensed social worker as well as a primary therapist at the Women's Program at Penn Medicine Princeton House Behavioral Health in North Brunswick, New Jersey. In this series, we'll be discussing intergenerational trauma through the lens of the movie Encanto. Uh, the hope being that many of the characters and different scenes in the movie can help illustrate how intergenerational trauma can look and affect families. So I hope you guys enjoy the podcast and find it helpful. All right, Araceli, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much, Andy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you came to me, I want to give you credit straight out the gate, that you came to me with what I thought was a great idea in terms of talking about intergenerational trauma, but through the lens of the movie Encanto. Mm -hmm. Now, I have kids, so I have seen this movie more times than I would care to have seen this movie, and I listen to the soundtrack constantly and um, could probably quote the movie from beginning to end at this point. But it sounds like you've seen this movie many times as well. Yes, I consider myself a big kid myself. Okay. Um, also, growing up with Disney, it's tradition to see Disney movies. And what I appreciate about this film is that even though primary audience is for children, mm -hmm. us within the mental health field kind of can see a very, very important significance within the family dynamics of the film, which lends to our topic of intergenerational trauma. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I hadn't really thought about that at all until you brought it to my attention. Then I was like, oh, yeah, that's like, this is kind of a great framework for talking about this. But before we talk about the movie, Araceli, can you just tell people what kind of work you do and why you're a good person to be discussing this topic? Sure. I've worked at Penn Medicine Princeton House Women's Program for about two years now. The primary population we work with is women and women who have PTSD. Uh, within our program, the women have experienced various types of trauma and they come to us in order to seek help. Within our program, we deal with stage one and stage two of trauma recovery. It is an industry standard to follow the stages of trauma recovery. And those stages are, for our listeners who are curious, is stage one, in which we look at establishing safety, symptom control, acknowledgement of the past. Stage two, to improve overall functioning, improve relationships, and be able to develop a healthy expression of emotions. In other areas of the stages of trauma recovery, which one will experience more in an outpatient setting, is exploring of traumatic experiences and continued stabilization and continued personal growth. But for us, we really look at women who have come to us because they're experiencing intense symptomology that has impacted majority of the facets in their life. And do you see intergenerational trauma playing a, a role in that typically? More than half of the women that come to us do have family members that have survived traumatic events. That could look like experiencing a trauma themselves or have lived in a traumatic environment, and those traumas 
have an effect throughout the generations. Okay. Do you just want to give like a quick recap of kind of what happens sure. in the movie just for the no people problem. who haven't seen it? So when we see the movie Encanto, we're mainly seeing this story through the eyes of the main character, Maribel. Mm-hmm. And she's the one within her family without a gift. Every family, due to the miracle that is the casita, which is Spanish for home, um, each child at a certain age gets a gift. She did not get a gift at, at her age. At so the a, age. a gift in this movie being basically a superpower. It could be a superpower, yes. Um, her mother has one, her aunt, um, her uncle, who we find out within the film that no one talks about him. He has disappeared from the family. Mm-hmm. And that kind of plays into the intergenerational trauma as well. Um, but we see that more later on in the film. And in the film, we notice that the primary kind of guiding force in this family is the grandmother, sure. um, who's referred to as Abuela uh, Madrigal, first name Alma, in case anyone was curious. And the grandmother, at the end of the film, we notice that she's gone through a pretty significant tra- a trauma. She, Her and her community had to flee their home due to an outside influence, and she witnessing witnesses her husband being murdered in front of her. And that we would know within our field that that is her, her trauma. And in addition, we would assume and speculate that her having to flee her community is also a trauma as well. So I, I guess um, just one thing that maybe we should point out again for people who haven't seen it is I, now, I could be wrong about, I don't know if there is a specific historical context for why they have to flee their home, but essentially it looks like their village is being burned down by like bandits or, or something. There, There is, in terms of where it's meant to be set in Colombia, in its history, there is a lot of political unrest, mm-hmm. um, the political majority really kind of using violence as a way to control the community. So there is some significance and probably historical accuracy to Mm -hmm. the events of that, even though we don't know exactly what it's meant to refer, but more meant to be a summation of experiences. So essentially, Abuela flees this village uh, and in the process, relocating her family, her husband gets murdered by these these people and then she starts this new life uh in the casita in the in the new in the new town and then she builds a family she starts building her family within that context mm-hmm. um, so i guess we also should mention that while they're fleeing they have th- she has three they have triplets uh, and their babies um mm-hmm. so then they grow up and that becomes like maribel's mom and and they start getting these superpowers from this magic is that you feel like we've done a fair job at summing it up i believe so i think that's that's a good summation of it okay so sort of having the bare bones of the of the plot now why don't we maybe explain what intergenerational trauma is or, or what we're talking about when we talk about that topic okay so I want to give a little definition of what intergenerational trauma means. Sure. um, If I can. Um, When we refer to that term, we're referring to a trauma that was experienced in one generation 
being inadvertently passed down throughout the descendants. The first time this kind of term came up for us was when Dr. Um, Rakoff in, I believe it was in Canada, he did a study on the children of Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. He noticed a very strong occurrence of them experiencing psychological distress among a good majority of the group of children of Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. And that was in 1966. More research has kind of proven that this is much more expansive than just major events in history that we could recall. Usually individuals that are more vulnerable to experiencing intergenerational trauma are those that have been a victim of genocide, um, slavery, war, Mm -hmm. oppression. As per the National Crime Justice Training Center, they also list um, people who were victims of colonialism as people who can be vulnerable Mm -hmm. to intergenerational trauma. And usually what occurs afterwards is that the individuals who were victims of that trauma start experiencing trauma responses. And trauma responses can look like hypervigilance, being very weary or mistrustful of authority or law enforcement or people who they see in power. Mm -hmm. Um, Depressive symptoms, hypervigilance, easily startled. And within those individuals, what they noticed is that children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren were mirroring those same symptoms. And there's a lot of research that that is due, that there's a mixture between what we in the field called nurture versus nature. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's been a lot of studies showing the in utero effects of trauma on a developing infant, um, but also children really learning through observing their families and the family dynamics. And connecting it back to Encanto, we could kind of see that the three triplets have really learned how to engage in the world based on Awela's trauma. And that is to really put a certain image out because to Willa that kept everyone safe, the community safe, them safe. So actually, I just want to stop you for a second, because I think we just kind of threw <laughs> a lot of information out there, which is good information. But just to kind of give a summary of what you just said, it, essentially what we're talking about, it sounds like, is the way trauma can affect parents and grandparents sort of has an effect on their descendants, whether we're talking about kids, grandchildren. And I guess if we think about this from a mental health standpoint, you know, you as a clinician, myself as a clinician, we know that trauma definitely has an effect on people's mental health. So it's almost like, well, instead of thinking about the individual who has those uh, trauma responses or or those symptoms of PTSD or trauma, it's almost like, how does this affect their kids or their descendants or the family? Mm-hmm. So you're shifting the focus a little bit from the individual to sort of the family system or the, or the family dynamic. Does that, is that right? 
Yes. Okay. And within the family dynamic, there is the individual impact, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the process, and they have a term for it of the process of when one family member inadvertently passes on the trauma to mm. the next generation. And that term is called intergenerational transmission. Okay. And it's defined as the process through which an earlier generation's psychology experiences get influenced onto the next. Mm-hmm. So what can that look like in, let's say, a parent to a child? The child learning from the mom or dad how to interact with the world can start to really experience very similar feelings and thoughts about the world because it's learned behavior. Mm -hmm. Also, there may be a biological vulnerability to experiencing certain symptoms and emotions. So when we look at this, we almost see like this symptom inheritance between parents to children, grandparents to their own children, and then so on to their children. And we see it through that transmission. So I really think that this is sort of an interesting point. I've always found this interesting about intergenerational trauma as well as substance use and depression and anxiety. It's thinking about like the nature versus nurture piece. Essentially, what it sounds like you're saying is that there's a biological component that gets passed down, whether it's in in utero or just that sort of in the genetic makeup of someone who's experienced trauma, similar to how we know that there's a genetic component for um, addiction and there's a genetic component for depression and anxiety and many other mental health issues. These things sort of get infused in, in your genes that you pass down. And then the other piece is the nurture piece, which is that mm-hmm. Obviously, kids who are watching their parents interact with the world are going to pick up on their behaviors and, you know, just learn how to interact with the world through watching their parents. So just as an example, you know, if we think about addiction, if I have a parent who's an alcoholic and I see my mom or dad drinking every day, well, then I'm going to grow up thinking that that's normal. So there's more of a chance that Mm -hmm. I will do the same thing. How could that present itself if we're thinking of it through a trauma lens. How it could present itself individually is they have a more higher likelihood, like taking the example of substance use, Mm -hmm. because substance use can be a way in which our trauma responses kind of manifest is through substance use. Right. What can be learned about with a child is that A, that is a way to manage your own emotions Mm -hmm. and B, It can be very traumatic for a child to see their parent or family member in the throes of addiction. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also to keep in mind that when there is this intergenerational transmission, a new trauma can be created and interpreted with going this example with the child in this situation. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like there's the initial trauma and then... We can sort of Correct. pass down other yes. traumas because of how we responded to that initial one. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think another thing that I heard you say that I guess I'm just curious about is there's almost a historical cultural component to a lot of the intergenerational trauma, like you said, with specific populations like Holocaust survivors. Yeah. Um, it's pretty massive. Sure. Yeah. Um, anyone that's been involved 
her family has been involved in slavery. Even socioeconomic unrest. Like, mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. um, the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. That individuals who survived through that period of time had long-lasting effects. Intergenerational can also happen at what we call the macro level, where it hits a big population like war. And then we look at it in the micro level, looking at veterans and how their trauma responses also kind of becomes entwined with intergenerational trauma, especially if they weren't given the appropriate treatment for those symptoms Mm -hmm. and how that could kind of one can lead into another. Yeah, I guess that's exactly sort of where I was going. Like, should we just be thinking about this through like a historical cultural context or can I have a very specific trauma that happened to me that then I can sort of have that intergenerational transmission where I kind of pass down something that's not necessarily related to like a big historical event. Oh, yes, definitely. Okay. Okay. We also see, I was reading one study where it was incorporating intergenerational trauma with tracking adverse childhood events. Mm -hmm. And it was looking at sexual abuse survivors. And that trauma at an individual level can also lead into intergenerational trauma if appropriate treatment is not received. Because intergenerational trauma is very flexible And what I mean by that is that it doesn't need a historical context in order to occur. It could happen at the individual level, an individual trauma. Right. That makes sense. I I just wanted to double check if that's sort of in the same wheelhouse as what we're talking about. Okay. It is. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the episode. Tune in next week for part two, where we discuss the trauma triangle and how different characters in the movie play out different roles that are oftentimes associated with trauma. Have a great week.